White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Charles has been, has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400, the big Brad Burley takes the perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah, and that go, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. This is Herb Lawrence along with Chris Tannehill. We're glad that you're joining us. This is episode number 36, and we've been away for a while, but before we get to who number 36 should be named for, our episode number 35 was uh, not properly done. You guys all know who number 35 is, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. I'm not even going to make any cute jokes, uh, but it seems like forever. First of all, Herb, how are you doing today? Where's my manners? It's been so long. <laughs> How's your Sunday going there, Herb? Sunday's going well. I'm watching, I just finished watching uh, Spaceship Troopers, or Starship Troopers, sorry, and it was uh, <laughs> decent. Spaceship Troopers, that's like that's that's the the adult film alternative, I think. I think you're confusing <laughs> exactly. it, too. Um, but yeah. That? Episode 35, we didn't uh, get, have a chance to give him proper love because it was a Detroit Tigers episode, a man who uh, I'm sure killed the Tigers over the course of his career, none other than... Number 35, Frank Thomas. There we go. I even have Gene Honda doing the intro for him. So yeah, Frank Thomas, the big hurt, easily my favorite White Sox player of all time. The reason why I like the White Sox, the reason why I like baseball, other than, other than my father, of course, but... You know, you need someone to draw you in when you're when you're a young fan. And Frank Thomas was definitely that dude. He came into the league right around the same time that I was starting to like baseball. And so it was a, a guy whose career I followed all the way through. And some of my best memories at the ballpark being a Sox fan involve good old number 35, Frank Thomas. So it's pretty much self-explanatory. Yeah, I uh, barely went when he was a player. Our first game, I think it was like 95, 96. But, uh, yeah, from then on, it was a uh, Frank Thomas love affair. I missed in person his MVP seasons, but he still was pretty good. I I'm, I'm looked at his uh, 2005 year where he was hurt for most of it. He had 12 home runs. Still, I think, OPS over 800 in a year that he was hurt and not as good. And put those in quotes. So to have uh, his career be pretty much seen from the beginning when I started watching White Sox baseball – to the end when he came back and hit the two home runs off of John Garland when he was an A, and then had I a was there with the with the Blue Jays. You were there. I was there in the upper deck. I had to be there. It was one of the most bittersweet moments I think as a sports fan watching your favorite player crush your current team in a different team's uniform, but still a memorable night nonetheless. I remember Pablo Ozuna walked it off with a bunt. <laughs> in the bottom of the ninth <laughs> inning, I think it was. So, yeah, that was still a fun game. It was like the ideal outcome. Frank Thomas showed out, clobbered John Garland a little bit, and then the Sox still won. But it's it's interesting. You talk about you didn't go to your first game until like 95, 96. You're a little bit older than I am. So 
I I never talked about this before with you, but do you remember what your first experience was like at, at your first Sox game? You probably probably remember it a little more vividly than I remember my first game. But what do you remember about that? I remember the people I was with. I was with my mom, who had taken me with my friends Jerry Saldana and Devin, um, like Devin Niffin. Right now, I'm I was blanking on his name, but Devin Niffin. We all went to the game. We sat on the first base side. Way back there on the first base side, my mom had bought me tickets and taken me to my first White's game. I went to the Cubs before that when my aunt took me like in 87, 88. So I was a youngster when I first went to my first baseball game. But Sox, I remember being like I went not becoming a fan until 90. And then 91, they were too good. And the stadium was built. So the prices were way up there. And so I couldn't go. And then when the strike happened, no one really wanted to come back to the stadium, 95, 96. So I got tickets pretty easily. And we, like I said, we sat on the first base side on the lower deck and had an enjoyable time. I don't remember who they played, but I remember it was all good. I was like, finally, I made it to Comiskey Park. Yeah. I never I, went to the old park either. Well, my recollections of the old park are, they're not so vivid. I, I you know, I, had been there a bunch of times. I don't know when my dad first took me to my first game, but I, I assume I, I had to have been pretty young because back in the day, you know, my dad still, I think if he had his choice, they wouldn't have a net around. So I'm assuming he took me to games like since I was real little, but though I don't have any specific memories other than I remember the, uh, the windows uh, at, at the old ballpark, like the, the, the iconic Comiskey park, uh, whatever you call those, that style of window, like it was pretty unique to ballparks around the time. That was kind of its signature aesthetic, structural, architectural, uh, you know, attribute was were, were those those windows that went around the whole uh, concourse. So I remember that, and of course the you know the green grass. But other than that, that's all I remember. But I do remember uh, going to the first game in the new park, which I think we've talked about before on this podcast. Yes, but but I just you just remember. Just it was it had the the new car smell, but for a ballpark, it's something that I'll never forget. And just walking around and seeing all of that, all that gray cement <laughs> they, for for you youngsters out there who don't remember, like you know what the ballpark was like when it first was built. It's very different than what it's like today. In that it's it, it was very cold, very gray, concrete everywhere, but it was still awesome because you remember every sight and sound and smell. It was like I was right around eight years old. So that's like, you know, that's wheelhouse. And it was a very, very impactful day for me. And obviously going to Sox games has been one of my favorite things to do ever since. And the Sox got pounded that day by the Tigers. It was something crazy, like 14 to two or something like that. Even if they had two, that I don't even know if they had that. But yeah, one of those days I'll never forget. But Frank Thomas, certainly a huge part of that. I think when I think about Frank Thomas, I would always try to imitate the batting stance when I was in Little League as a kid and, Mm -hmm. you know, just have collecting all the the baseball cards with Frank Thomas. Pretty much I had the Big Hurt candy bar, which we've talked about on our Instagram uh, a few weeks back. And, of course, I think my favorite Frank Thomas memory at the ballpark would be 2000. Four, my wife got me season tickets that year, like a partial season ticket plan just for me to go out there to the ballpark, uh, you know, a couple nights a week. It was a Sox twins right before the all-star break. It was that year that Paul Konerko sucked. He was real bad. I don't know if you remember that year at all, but it was 2004. He's really struggling. You know, mm-hmm. twins in the, in the middle of their dominant run and atop the AL Central. 
Sox come back late in the game. Paul Konerko comes off the bench with a pinch hit home run. I think it was in the ninth inning to tie it, which was real like, you know, if you could imagine a time in White Sox fandom where people didn't like Paul Konerko, you only have to go back one year prior, you know, previous to the World Series to 2004. He was struggling. He was not playing every day. He comes off the bench, hits a home run off. I think it was Eddie Guardado at the time in the ninth inning, hits a home run to tie it, and then eventually – 10th inning, Frank Thomas hits a walk-off home run, and I believe they either surpassed the the Twins for the AL Central lead at the time, or they padded their lead by a game, but either way, it was it was a great night to go right into the All-Star break, and you were starting to feel like that 2004 team was starting to put it together a little bit, but obviously history time, time told us that they did not put it together. Injuries kind of broke that team apart a little bit, but we talked about it before. That 2004 team was probably one of the more talented White Sox teams I can remember seeing uh, in my White Sox fan life. So, Frank Thomas, salute. Uh, I've got a photo of him uh, and myself in my basement here taken by our friend, Brendan McCaffrey. It's one of the worst photos I have uh, <laughs> in my home. Um, I gave Brendan my phone, and, you know, for some reason, you know, now, now it's commonplace to take several photos like click 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 to make then you could pick one that you like but it was one photo and he didn't even say three two one didn't say all right say cheese (laughs) so like i have this menacing look and frank thomas just looks like frank thomas big smile on his face you know he was really cool he was at the score studios one time when i met him he was promoting a book but yeah it but it's still there's a story behind the photo which almost makes me uh, love it even more so i don't know if you ever had a chance to meet him I did. I met him after he came back. I think it was the Blue Jays. I'm not sure. Everybody was waiting for him for a certain certain amount of time. And, you know, people have deadlines. Like, writers have deadlines. I was just a producer just waiting for him uh, to return to Chicago as a visiting player. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go in there after and see if he can come on the show next day. I forgot which show I was working on, if I was on a specific one. And no one was there in the locker room. This is hours after the game ended. Frank, I know either waited the people out and purposely and like didn't want to speak or like, you know, takes really long showers, but <laughs> I waited for him and he showed up and I, I was the only guy there. I think maybe somebody showed up later just to see what he was doing. Um, and I just said, you know, was talking to him. I didn't have a recorder or anything like that. He just talked to me for a quick second, nothing personal, just like, Hey, well, how's it feel to come back to Chicago? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and that was really my only time I had a face-to-face interaction with him. Other times, you know, he's been in the room that I've been in, never really talked to him. When, uh, when I was in high school, a bunch of my friends and I, we went down to water tower as, as was the thing to do back in the day, just go hang out in water tower, hang out the, 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 you know, by the polo mansion and, uh, you know, just hang out there. And we saw Frank Thomas there. He was shopping for jewelry. He was like on the floor below us. You could see like right down like, oh, my God, that's Frank Thomas down there. But we were like, you know, 14 or 15. I was like, you know what? I am not going to go bother him while he's shopping here in Water Tower. Smart move because they always say Frank could be a little bit of a salty guy, especially back then in his playing mm-hmm. days. This is like 98, 99. So I was like, you know what? That's fine. I'll just I'll let the man be. And it turned out to be the right move because I met him like, you know, 10 years after that in a professional setting where, you know, he was cool. And so, yeah, so, you know, 
I, I'm always apprehensive about approaching athletes in public places because then they attract attention and then, you know, it's typically not a pleasant experience. So that, that, that one worked out for me. But anyway, uh, as I sit here looking at the, the Frank Thomas autographed jersey uh, that, that sits above my uh, little podcast studio here, we move on from 35 to number 36 here on the Locked On Sox podcast, and I don't know if you remember, we talked about this. We barely do any pre-production, pre-show meetings, but we mentioned who a 36 candidate could be earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember who it was when I told you? Yeah, I remember. It was an old player. <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, you go ahead and say his name. I won't, I'll give you the credit for saying it. I see it now. It's funny. Johnny Dickshot, number 36 you, for your White Sox. And now as I look up the great Johnny Dickshot, he's an Illinois guy through and through. Yeah, he is. So born in Waukegan, died in Libertyville. So yeah. this man, no, died in Waukegan and buried in Libertyville. The man knows Chicago. Johnny Dickshot is Chicago. I'm going to have to visit his grave next time I visit a Batacola out there at Libertyville. Um, he was commonly, as if this wasn't bad enough, your name is Johnny Dickshot, but his nickname was commonly, he, referred, he was referred to as Ugly Johnny Dickshot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, this he wasn't that ugly. I've seen some photos. Like he's not like the that one iconic baseball card where oh, I forgot who it was. The ugly, the really ugly guy. It was was it uh, Ray Fossey or something like that? Some some ridiculous old baseball card. It's like one of the ugliest cards you ever seen. But Johnny Dickshot, not nearly as ugly as as his nickname suggests. Um, yeah, and, and I'm looking at his stats. His last year, well, he l- played his last two seasons as a Chicago White Sox. And his last year he played, well, both years were decent enough. But his last year, 302, 366, 407. Mercy. I tell you what, Johnny Dickshot was 35 years old and went on his way to a good career. And then he just wrapped it up. That's right. And he actually, I read that he owned a uh, a bar in Waukegan called The Dugout. And his obituary, his granddaughter said he would often call his wife at home from the bar, demanding that she look at his encyclopedia to settle disputes over baseball trivia. So this is back in the day before the internet, when people they had they would just argue and argue. Could you imagine living in such a time where you would just argue for hours and hours about who was right, and you couldn't look any of this shit up? But he would call his wife, who had the encyclopedia at the house, and and she would be the final uh, arbitrator of all these uh, ballroom uh, or, or these bar room baseball discussion so shout out to donnie dickshot and his bar dugout in waukegan i don't know what's standing in its place now uh he did throw out a first pitch at the new comiskey park in 1994 before he passed away so you know uh by the way don mossy is the baseball card that i'm referring to not ray fossey he of course got ran over by pete rose don mossy is the card i'm talking about google it if you get a chance it is a he is quite a looker don mossy uh, <laughs> so Johnny Dickshot is he's he's fine. He's not even close to uh, to this guy. So, all right. You know his real name? I'm looking at his real name. It's John Oscar Dickus. Dixus. <laughs> yes, it is. D i c k s u s. So he changed it to Dickshot. <laughs> well, is that like another you know stroke of a pen at Ellis Island? Like you know he must have been a he was he was he was he a dick when he was in line? Mm-hmm. Well, not him, but like his his ancestors. Like you know they come over as Dixus. I don't know if that's Polish or whatever it is, but they they come over and they change it to Dickshot. Like that they they must have been real jerks to the people at Ellis Island for them to do that. <laughs> and, and yes, I, I don't exactly. know. I have no idea why they would change your name to Dickshot. 
But anyway, <laughs> he's dead now. So so he I'm so if he deserved it, he's dead. I hope you're happy, people in Ellis Island. But yeah, <laughs> Johnny Dickshot number thirty six today. Uh, White Sox uh, podcast locked on socks here. So. We should probably give a little update on where we've been. Uh, I th- I should probably do most of the talking on this one because I think we've been dragging our feet largely because of of myself. We it's been a while since we've been together, and I don't have the exact date when our last podcast was recorded. We had the AL Central preview show, which we were remember how excited we were to knock out a series of AL Central preview shows and oh yeah, talk to some new friends from around the division and as we would ramp up to opening day. So yeah, so that was you know about three or four weeks ago when we did that, and then all of a sudden the uh, COVID nineteen breakout uh, across America happens and. We are on, uh, you know, quarantine mode here, you know, stay at home, even though you and I are working together at the score studios in downtown Chicago every day. I see you every day. So this is not like, you know, we're, you know, this is, this is not abnormal, uh, for us to be recording. It's not necessarily ideal the way we're recording here right now, uh, over Skype, you know, I'd much rather have you over at my home and knock out a couple of them here, but it's just, uh, it's not particularly safe and it's not exactly the environment that I want to do a podcast. It's not what I signed up for to to do three or four shows a week and fill the gap uh, while a national pandemic sweeps its way across the country. But I had a lot of things I had to sort through here uh, with, with myself personally, making sure I was uh, mentally okay and well-adjusted and prepared for uh, the long road ahead. And I had to make sure my family was taken care of. And, you know, my, with my daughter being pulled out of school, I was doing a lot of extra help with, with that. And I just didn't really, I wasn't in the right headspace to do a podcast uh, a couple times a week. So I want to apologize to the listeners out there who have been asking. And I know I certainly take comfort in things that I like, you know, doing things that I like watching, listening to those things have been there for me. But, you know, if we haven't been there for you in your time of need, that's, 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 pretty much all on me. So I apologize for that, but we're going to try to be here with you more often because this is our new reality and it, you know, we're going to try to make the best of it. You know, it's a beautiful day outside today. That certainly helped. You know, I, it's helps me to get out, get some fresh air a little bit, kind of helps me sort through my thoughts, but it's, it's, it's tough on all of us out there. And, and if any of you are listening and you've lost your jobs or, you know, something worse than that, if you lost a loved one, our hearts are definitely with you. And I consider myself one of the lucky ones. I still, have my job, another thing that's sort of taken more more importance in my life, making sure that everything is good with work. Uh, so I've spent more time with that. But yeah, it's basically I've had pretty much little to no extra time to do fun things like this, uh, the Locked on Socks podcast. And I don't know where you're at with all this, but you know, I just uh, want to apologize to the listeners, but hopefully I'll be there a little bit more often going forward. Yeah, uh, me too. It's, uh, you know, this thing is a great time just to speak to you about the White Sox. And then I, you know, when there's no White Sox baseball to speak of, it's kind of hard to get up the, you know, the actual fever or the fervor to do this show and to have it uh, make sense and people listening to it. I know people are captive at their house, but us talking about, you know, Frank Thomas and Johnny Dickshot, that's cool. But then, you know, we want to talk about actual games, what's going on with the 2020 season. And so, yeah, that took the wind out of our sails when 
everything happened and, you know, a life has happened. A lot of you have lost your jobs or displaced at home, uh, working from home. So, yes, it's uh, been tough on you. It's been tough on everybody. And if we could, you know, do one, two episodes a week and if we can muster that, we'll do it. But we're not going to just be doing it just so, you know, people at Locked On are happy or something like that. We're going to do it because we want to do it. And that's why we turn on the camera and turn on the mics today. So we'll be cranking out this one. And hopefully you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday and uh, enjoying yourselves and taking a little time off of your busy schedule and uh, off your mind of this COVID-19 stuff. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And we're going to be a little bit more, you know, I think what took two weeks. So we're going to be a little bit more on schedule, but don't expect a lot. Don't expect like three episodes a week like we used to do. That's a, that's a little too much for just talking about nothingness, I guess. Yeah, the way I see it, it, it really is talking about nothing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and do it just to do it. Like for one, I don't have the extra time, you know, at least until we figure out a new routine. But I feel like anyone who's at, at home and you have a family, and I'm sure you're feeling it too, but you, you're, you're pulled in three or four different ways more than you're used to being pulled. You know, so for me to do this podcast, it's not particularly uh, convenient at, at this time, but I am looking forward to to breaking down actual games when they occur. But, you know, and I certainly don't like sitting around listening to people talk about coronavirus. It does not make me feel better about the world. So we're not going to do that too much today here. Uh, just the reality that we're living in. But I do think there's going to be some good to come out of this. I'm an, I'm optimistic about this whole thing. I think we will see baseball yeah, you know, I'm just speculating, but you know, hopefully after the Fourth of July, and I don't care how many games they play this season. We work in sports; we would like them just to play games. I don't care if the fans are there or not. I just want the players to be safe and healthy. And once they figure that out and they figure they can do it, I'm I'm cool with them just playing 60 games or whatever it is. I just I just need some baseball of consequence because in times of war and depression, baseball has always guided this country uh, forward and people always took solace in watching uh, America's pastime and I'm certainly looking forward to that in a way that I never thought I was before. I got over not being able to see opening day rather quickly because of the gravity of the situation. I don't even care about our San Francisco trip anymore that we're obviously going to miss and that's that was heartbreaking at the time but right now you know it this thing has a way of putting things in perspective. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a fan of acquiring perspective because that usually means something bad's happening. I always think I have enough perspective, but, you know, it, it goes to show you things could always be worse. And we're just going to try to weather the storm here and hopefully we will have some games to talk about. Uh, but it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just sit here and and keep wondering, you know, when, when, when. Like, I don't even I, I, we're at the point I haven't even watched the news this weekend. I, I don't think that's particularly healthy. I like to check the numbers to see where the case is at, where the deaths at, just because I am watching the, to see if hopefully we are flattening the curve. But I'm being responsible. I'm staying home. There's plenty of stuff to do here with my wife and kid. Uh, plenty of projects to do around the house. I was doing stuff in the garage earlier today. You know, sun was out. Things could be a lot worse. But yeah, I think this will bring us closer together as people. Hopefully. Um, even though it's kind of the antithesis of that right now, the way people are, you know, we have to social distance uh, with other people, but I think we're a social being, man, and people like being around mm -hmm. each other and, 
And I think it will make us appreciate pretty much everything in life a lot more. Uh, you know, even you may think you're appreciative of things until something like this happens and then it really, you know, kicks you in the ass. So I don't know what else more can, can be said if you want to add anything, but I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to baseball happening this year and just everyone just out there, take it one day at a time. Try, try not to read the news too much other than what, what you have to. I know there was a conference call yesterday with the, with the president and commissioners of the sports leagues. I don't know what became of that. I worry, though, that this administration will force uh, sports leagues to get up and going sooner than they should because of the economical aspect of it. I worry about that. Uh, but other than that, I, I haven't seen a word about it. But, yeah, I just – yeah. That's that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It's just it's 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 not ideal, and we just hope you guys out there stay safe. Yeah, we take our time to get back. We there's no rush. We're in this for the long haul, and everybody understands that now. Hopefully, everybody understands that we're in there for months. So let's just chill out. Let's enjoy our families. It's gonna be a little tough, but make sure everybody's safe. It's not just about about you. It's everybody on this planet so uh let's chill out wait until baseball is safe and like tanny said even if it's not with us if it's you know 60 games in the world series played in los angeles and yeah i would love to complain that the white Sox don't have home games with the world series that would be the best thing in the world so uh let's just chill out and have some good times at, at home and uh realize it's not the worst thing it's fine this week you know it's been kind of hectic with us being quarantined you know so uh courtney and i my girlfriend uh have gone to postmates you know to help a local business out you know they're struggling also so we use postmates to get some of our order out or carry out or delivery uh food to us for evenings um if you're like me you like food so you definitely are thinking about food when it's lunchtime i'm at work with tanny and i'm like man where are me and courtney gonna eat when i get home but, you know they deliver the food from every restaurant you could think about you know even the fast food restaurants you have a craving for something specific fast food or these local restaurants which i do a little bit more but postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis they actually make it easy to deliver groceries and whatever you could think of I don't even know that. The convenience stores and clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. In this atmosphere, in this era, you don't want to really go to the store. No more late night fast food runs. If you don't want to have to worry about grabbing food or grabbing lunch, call Postmates. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within an hour. For a limited time, Postmates is going to give our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start free deliveries download the app and use locked on that's code locked on that's locked on for 100 dollars of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the postmates app anything you need anytime you need it postmate it as long as we're working we're healthy um, I consider us a couple of the lucky ones here. So I, I hope you guys are, are doing well through all of this. But having said that, uh, shortened season, real quick, I do think that a shortened season helps the White Sox. Damn straight. Young players, uh, people who are coming off uh, injuries like Kopech and uh, Rodon will probably be available if the season starts in 60 games. We can only we can have a four man rotation with our best. We can have Lopez on the bench if we need be or Gio Gonzalez. And just go with our four strongest ones, and our offense is going to be motored. 
and no freshman wall, no youngster wall either. But with 60 games, Nick Magical and Luis Robert will be on fire once we play 60. Sometimes I worry about a team with a lot of youth, uh, you know, navigating through this time because they've never been through it before, and you're just kind of, you know, the veterans know how to how to stay ready. I think a little bit better, but. This is unprecedented. This is uncharted territory. I don't think anyone's truly going to know how to prepare for this and and how to ramp up once it's ready to get the season going again. I think we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I am looking forward to to, to seeing. This is going to be like you want to talk about baseball and variance. This is going to be the ultimate variance type of season, and I'm totally cool with that. Even as the White Sox sit on the precipice of their window being open, which is really I feel like. You know, just as a Sox fan, I think a lot of us are feeling this way that, it, of course, uh, it took a national pandemic to, 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 to prolong, to delay the, the, the opening of this championship window. But I digress. Okay. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how, how it shakes out. But hope they get back out there and play. And, you know, we're going to break it down next episode. Another thing that really had me down this week in particular, which I did not think. I'd want to record. I thought it was going to get pushed back again with the way I was feeling was we lost our guy Farmio and we'll get into that in the next episode. But for now, I think that that's all I got. I don't know about you, Herbie. So for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. We appreciate you joining us for episode number 36 on Locked on Socks. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Have a great day and we'll see you soon. Rest in peace, Johnny Dickshot.